the injury list shrinks. Plus, a closer look at what Romeo Langford really did in his debut on this Tuesday Locked On Celtics. Millers, let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. I am here for you Monday through Friday. So whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going during your work week, I appreciate you taking me along with you. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. You can subscribe using the promo code Corrales. You'll get $5 off an annual subscription. That's like less than 3 bucks a month. So good deal, I think. And I have written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. It's a book that's available now wherever books are sold online, so please get one. Uh, Today, the injury list is out. So some news of the day, and only one person on the injury report. How about that? Uh, And also, you know, uh, just a plea to get off Shemi Ojale's back for a second. Uh, In the second segment, I will talk about Romeo Langford. I took a closer look for Boston Sports Journal at his debut, watched all his minutes closely, went into the film room, and I'll share what I saw. And then in the third segment, there's uh, some reporting out on Monday that the competition committee is considering some rules changes, uh, interpretation changes to some of the things that we absolutely hate on the floor. Thank God (laughs) these things are going to potentially change. And also, One rule that wasn't mentioned that absolutely should be, that's coming up a little bit later on. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, probably on Thursday or Friday, on Locker Room. I will be tweeting out the exact time. So follow me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Use your Twitter. Follow me on Locker Room at John Corrales. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Let's get some of the news out of the way here as the Celtics prepare to take on the Philadelphia 76ers, one player on the injury report, just one, Tristan Thompson, who is not even hurt or not even in the health and safety protocol anymore. I've seen him out there at the Garden working out before the games and, um, you know, looking like his normal self, just trying to get himself back into shape, just like Romeo has been and everybody else who's coming off of COVID. So... Uh, He is getting closer. Now, there's still the whole thing. What happens when he comes back? You know, the Robert Williams thing. I think what happens in the Philly game may have some bearing on Robert Williams. Now, last night I talked about Robert Williams about, you know, look, I, I, I want whatever's working to just keep working. So if it's Robert Williams starting, then Robert Williams starting is the way it should go. Uh, I will give the caveat that obviously Robert Williams against Joel Embiid is going to be a really interesting matchup, and I'm not sure how that's going to go. Now, it's not to say that he can't handle Joel Embiid, but it's going to it's going to be a team effort. 
He certainly can't body Joel Embiid. He's going to have to try to get really low and just try to throw off Embiid's center of gravity a little bit. Celtics guards are going to have to dig and make it difficult whenever Embiid puts the ball on the floor. Uh, it's going to be a, a battle of positioning and in kind of teamwork versus Embiid's sheer strength. If Embiid wants to get into the post and just go to town, then he can go to town. Now, one thing that, that's been going on is that Ben Simmons has not been playing well since the All-Star break. And there are some questions about whether he's he's nursing a knee issue or whatever. So if, if Ben Simmons can't kind of help uh, take the pressure off of Embiid, then maybe the Celtics can really sell out on Embiid and not worry about Simmons hurting them too much. But it it could be if if Rob really has some some issues here with Embiid, then it, you might start to see the case of like, okay, maybe this is a more situational starting thing. And that's going to be up to Brad Stevens to, to work it out between Rob and Tristan Thompson and say, hey, look, in certain situations, we're going to need this and Rob's going to be the starter. In other situations, Tristan's bigger, stronger. We're going to have to try him against just a cup. And, and that really doesn't happen as, as much, but uh, I think as we saw, th- there are certain situations where Rob may not be fully effective, and and that's certainly up for some debate because he was on the floor when Moses Brown was earning his contract, you know, putting up a near twenty twenty like that. Robert Williams was on the floor for a lot of that. Now, some of it wasn't Robert Williams' fault because he had to cover for some guys' mistakes and they weren't really helping him out. So there's a back and forth here, but there are some matchups that you might argue. Maybe, maybe that Brad Stevens has a decision to make. So as Tristan Thompson works his way back, I think how the Sixers thing works out might be a kind of pivot point where if the Celtics can handle Embiid with a a smaller guy like Rob, then very simply, Rob should just start, Thompson comes off the bench, and we'll just go with that. And you could always flip it if you need to, um, and and we make a lot about what start who, you know who starts and who finishes. That's I should also throw that throw that in there. Yes, you want to start hot, you want to start strong, and you don't want the other team to go off. You could also uh, you know two minutes into the game sub the other guy out if that's really just oh my god Robert Williams is getting destroyed. Let's you know obviously Tristan Thompson is not going to be available for that game. He's out for the Philly game. In the future, that that's a possibility. So just as we wind down trying to look at how things are going to go, the Rob-Tristan conversation, still I think there's going to be some nuance, and we'll see what happens after this game against Philly. Shemi Ojale off the injury report. He has been nursing a strained oblique. That looks like he's, he's going to be back. Now whether he plays or not, yet to be seen. Uh, but if he plays... I'm not worried about it, and I just see so much Shemi Ojale slander out there. If Shemi plays, like, Shemi's fine. He's fine. And as now the Celtics get Evan Fournier and and Romeo Langford, and eventually Tristan Thompson back, what we're going to see is guys sliding more into their original roles. Like, okay, Shemi as a spot starter against a matchup in the playoffs like we've seen in the past, if you have to resort to that, 
That means other things haven't been working, and that's worth a shot. Shemi getting big minutes in in this situation, probably not going to happen. But if they need to go to him, whether it's foul trouble, you know, hopefully not another injury, uh, but whatever it is, if you need to go to Shemi, he's fine in spots. He's fine. He's strong. He's a good defender. He hits threes at just about a 40% clip. Like, for a second-round pick off the bench, leave Shemi alone. Shemi in the game is fine. So, just, I, I'm fine. When Shemi Ojale comes in the game, I don't sit there and go, oh, no. Oh, crap. Like, I'm fine with Shemi coming in the game. His, he's really worked on his shot. His shooting's been pretty good this year. So, when Shemi shoots, I'm comfortable with him taking an open three. One last note before we move on and get into the Romeo Langford stuff in the next segment. So there was a lot of talk if you watched the broadcast where Evan Fournier, how many how many threes in a row did he hit? Well, the, the three that was ruled, uh, a miss that was ruled a three earlier in the game, like the third quarter or so, was actually ruled a two. So the official streak for the record now is 10. He has 10 threes in a row. He missed the last one that he took. So he was four of five last night, not four of six from three. So it's officially a 10 straight three-pointer streak, second longest three-pointer streak in team history. The longest was 11 from Scott Wedman, which occurred in the 84-85 season. And just to highlight the difference between that season and this one, the way these two eras are so radically different. Wedman hit his, and you might have heard Scal mention this, Wedman hit his first of the 11 straight threes at the end of December of 84. He hit the last one at the end of March in 85. So basically three months of three-pointers to get to the 11 straight. He shot 17 of 34 that whole season. He played 78 games, started five, and was only 17 of 34 for that whole season. Evan Fournier is 11 of 23 in four games as a Celtic. So nothing tells you the difference between these eras quite like this little tiny blip, this streak that Evan Fournier was on. So one shy of hitting that streak. Hell, somebody might hit 11 straight in a game before this is all over. Like, that's where we're heading, right? Somebody's going to get so blistering hot that they're going to go 11 for 11 in a game somewhere. In fact, I can't even say for sure that it hasn't happened. I don't think it's happened. But so many three-point records are out there that I, I, I don't know. If you were to tell me what are the odds that Steph Curry has hit 11 straight three-pointers in a game or over the course of two games maybe, I don't know. Like I'd say it's probably, yeah, probably happened. But it's a wild time, and it's a, it's a very three-point heavy time. So, But Evan Fournier, second biggest streak, second longest streak in Celtics history with 10 in a row, officially. That's done. All right, up next, Romeo Langford played 12 minutes against the Charlotte Hornets. Those were pretty impressive minutes. I know some people got on me 
after last night's show where I was like, it was solid. You know, he was good. He was solid. And I left it at that. Okay. Maybe it was a little better than solid. Like he wasn't crazy, but I, I took a closer look at that. So that's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders, all in real time with your favorite team or sport. I'm hosting rooms weekly for the uh, Locked On Celtics podcast once a week. So you can join in the conversation. All you got to do is download the app on iOS. It's an iOS app. Follow me at John Corrales. And then on Twitter, because you probably use your Twitter to to do this, uh, you follow me and I'm at RedsArmy underscore John on Twitter. I'll tweet it out. I'll announce it here on the podcast when I can announce it on the podcast. Then when I fire up a, a locker room, then you can hop in, hop on stage, talk to me directly like a sports talk radio thing, just like a, a call. We'll have an actual conversation and then move on. There's a chat room. If you don't want to talk, you can get involved with the chat. You guys can listen to me and talk amongst yourselves, react to what I'm saying in the chat room. It's really cool. So download the free locker room app right now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at John Corrales to be notified when my room goes live. When you follow me, I'll set out a notification. Hey, join me in my room so you'll know. So don't, yeah, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, I'm going to be planning to be live this week, Thursday or Friday. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Celtics. So I'll see you there. Locker room is changing the way we talk about sports. Rock Auto is changing the way you shop for auto parts because you're not going to go to one of those brick and mortar stores. Don't bother. They're not going to have everything in stock on those shelves in that small store. Don't waste your time telling that person behind the counter all of the stuff that you can enter into rockauto.com on the web or on your phone. You'll get into a catalog that is unique, easy to navigate, and has everything that you want for 30 to 50 to even 100% less depending on where you've been shopping. I had somebody DM me that his mechanic looked up a part. It was $1,000. He got it on Rock Auto for $400, which is amazing. It blows my mind. But it's also really not that surprising because rockauto.com has been doing this for 20 years. It's a family business, and they don't have different price tiers for the pros or do-it-yourselfers. They don't change their prices based on what the market will bear like an airline ticket. They don't do any of that dumb stuff. They just treat you right when it comes time to buy anything for your car complicated or simple like wipers floor mats that kind of stuff really anything that you need so go to rockauto.com when you do actually buy something and i'm pretty sure you will right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you it's an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Be sure to follow our social channels, LO Celtics on Twitter and Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Get all of the sports you need in less than 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. You can bet that they're going to be talking about Baylor's national championship win over Gonzaga. Host Peter Bukowski gets the latest news from our local experts harnessing the power of the Locked On Podcast Network. So check out Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So last night, uh, I talked about, or yesterday I talked about the, the Romeo Langford was just, you know, it's, he came in, he was fine, solid, good job, 
move on. Um, didn't really pay much attention to it in yesterday's podcast, but I wanted to take a closer look at it for Boston Sports Journal and for today's show. So if you go to Boston Sports Journal, you'll see the, uh, the video breakdown of basically all of the big stuff from Romeo Langford's 12 minutes. That was only 12 minutes, and I will preface all of this by saying it was raw. Like he, He's very much coming in like a guy that hasn't played basketball in eight months. So there's, there's plenty that needs to be worked on. But what, what did I highlight? What did I see? First of all, I guess the, the overarching thing is that his instincts are good. His mind is good. He's, he's processing things the right way. And so when I see him guarding Devontae Graham, and that was his primary assignment, and it seems like they wanted Romeo Langford, who's about three, four inches taller than Graham, to, to bother Graham with his size. And, and I think Romeo, for the most part, did that. There's the one p- possession where Graham drives left, pushes off, actually, <laughs> comes back over right, and Langford kind of hangs with him. And if you, if you look at, and I posted it on, on Boston Sports Journal, the play, Romeo is, is there. He's, he's tracking it well. He's, he's, the angle is good. Now, the bad thing is that he turns his hips, which is a natural thing when you're not feeling uh, like 100%. Turning your hips and running after a guy is so much easier than pushing off your left foot when you're moving left to right, pushing off that left foot and sliding and using that lateral movement. You know, you're using the outside, your hip adductors and abductors to propel you sideways. You're supposed to slide, and then when he moves over, you pivot and slide that way. It's just faster. So if you look at it, Romeo turns his hips and runs. That's that's a bad, that's bad form, that's bad technique. But his mind is there. He does a good job keeping up. And athletically, he's he's right there. He, he's able to challenge the shot with his left hand, with his right hand, actually, um, as he was moving to his left. So, not bad, right? Instincts are there. The help defense is really where the instincts show themselves. He had uh, a block on Miles Bridges, which is very, was the highlight of his night, really. But you see, you see Bridges posting up on the left side, Romeo's on the right side. His man's in the right corner. He knows that that pass is not going from left block to right corner without me either picking it off, challenging it, or at the very worst, getting up on the guy when he catches it in the corner to prevent him from driving or or taking an easy shot. So Romeo positions himself with two feet in the lane. He knows he's got time, and that's good positioning. That's important. He hasn't been playing much, but he's already he's he's smart enough and good enough to have good positioning. When Bridges turns the corner and spins off of Peyton Pritchard, Romeo's there. Quick reaction, vertical, straight up, blocks the shot with his right hand, doesn't swing the arm down, stays straight up, perfect positioning, great verticality, great defensive play, and I feel like he's still not a, obviously 100%. He's not as as explosive necessarily, but good positioning there. He had another play that I highlighted where he was, it, it just shows his, his instincts kind of knows where he's supposed to be on the floor. If, if, 
there's one thing that's really impressive about his defensive game. It's that he wasn't lost, right? He wasn't just so blatantly out of position. Where do I go? He had a couple of possessions where it was like, maybe he should have switched and maybe there were some miscommunications, but that just comes with time. The stuff that you're really, really looking for, that is... That's, that's there, the instincts, the building blocks. As I put it on Boston Sports Journal, there's moldable clay here. And he showed it on offense too. Now, he hit a three, which is nice. He was one for four. He had some shots in garbage time. I don't care about the missed shots. That, that doesn't mean anything to me. Though Those will fall. The, the one play that I highlighted that I, I was kind of impressed was it looks almost like a nothing play because it ends up being an Evan Fournier layup. But when... Jason Tatum was rotating over down to the baseline. Uh, you saw Romeo Langford. He, he could have easily just rotated up. The ball was going down the left, the left wing, and everybody's supposed to kind of rotate around. And Langford could have gone up to the hash mark and just waited for a, a high opposite pass for a three. But instead, he saw a soft spot in the middle of the offense and kind of rushed to it. And maybe he could have done it a little bit harder, maybe a little bit more, present himself a little bit more for the pass. He didn't get the pass, but it was really good recognition. He, he was right in the middle of the lane with nobody around him. It could have been a great opportunity. Obviously, paint touches collapsed the defense. He either could have scored, t- taken a sh- short jumper, or swung it around to Tatum, who probably would have been open in the corner. Instincts are there. And now execution is going to be the next step. The cardio is going to be the next step, so he can do longer stints. But when the Celtics are looking at Romeo Langford, what are you looking for in Romeo Langford? When we've been talking all year long about, hey, Romeo could come back and Romeo could help. What are we looking for in Romeo Langford? This kind of stuff, exactly. This kind of stuff is exactly what you're looking for. Positional defense. Don't let guys get by you. Be in the right spot. Help out. On offense, make the right play. If there's a cut, then do it. He's, he's a smart player, and if he's going to keep making cuts like this, making the right play, then he's going to be valuable in collapsing the defense. He doesn't even have to shoot from there. Just catch it, collapse the defense, and swing it. That could be a hockey assist. That could be a direct assist. That could be just a ball that just gets into the middle and then swing, 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 and he gets nothing necessarily aside from accredited paint touch, but he's the first part of what gets a star player, a wide-open shot. Little things. And then if he hits a three, great. So it was it was pretty good. And the closer look at Langford's game shows that the 12 minutes were actually pretty productive. The film for, for Romeo in those 12 minutes is, is positive, productive, and it's definitely something to build on. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next step is because this is obviously now it's Charlotte and I want to see him do it against better players. That's the next step because making those plays, making those better decisions against guys who can jump higher than miles bridges, make that spin faster than miles bridges, uh, be more uh, aware of their, of their own positioning. That's going to be the next step. But for right now, it's for the first game back in, you know, starting his season in April, it's good. I'm I'm very happy about what I saw from Romeo Langford again. 
This is available on Boston Sports Journal. You can subscribe with the promo code Corrales. You get five bucks off the annual subscription. Up next, some potential rules changes in the NBA that I'm dying to see in one that hasn't been mentioned, but it better. So that's coming up next. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. If you haven't been betting on college basketball, you missed your opportunity. Baylor is the national champion. By the way, shout out to Locked On Bets, which is uh, sponsored by Bet Online. Locked On Bets called this. They said Baylor was going to end Gonzaga's undefeated season. Nailed it. So shout out to them. If you had gone to Bet Online and followed the Locked On Bets podcast, you would have made a couple of bucks. So sign up at Bet Online for free. Whether you're using the website or your mobile device, use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. So whatever you deposit, 200 bucks, you'll get a $100 welcome bonus. That's how it works with the promo code Locked On at Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Celtics wherever you get podcasts, or follow us on Spotify. Now the tournament's over, we're focusing on the NBA draft, so make sure you're following the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. We've got scattering reports, rumors, mocks, all of that stuff, four days a week from credential draft experts, so follow Locked On NBA Draft on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Shams Sharania from The Athletic and Stadium tweeted out a couple of NBA competition committee things that they are considering A potential modifications to the coaches coaches challenge if you have a successful challenge maybe you get a second challenge or you get to keep your time out which just let me stop there for a second i think it's dumb that they don't get to keep their time out like you have to call the time out to challenge so the end, the uh, the official blows a call and you have to call a timeout if you win and the official was wrong, you still lose a timeout, which is dumb. Now, if you blow the timeout and you're wrong, and we can argue about the stuff that makes them you know, overturn a call or not. That's a whole other conversation. But for the sake of this and for the sake of moving this along, if Brad Stevens sees a call that's, that's wrong, challenges it, and wins then why should he be penalized the timeout? Why should any coach be penalized the timeout? So that would be a a very good modification. I don't even think that teams would want the second challenge, but let them keep the timeout, especially late, because teams want to save that challenge for maybe more meaningful spots. Of course, there are the teams that use that challenge whenever – their star player demands it. And you're <laughs> when Chris Paul is screaming in your face to challenge a call, you say, all right, fine, screw it. There's our challenge. And so, uh, but I don't think, I don't think losing a timeout makes sense. Now this is the other one. This is the bigger one. They are evaluating playing rules and interpretation of rules regarding unnatural shooting motions in connection with perimeter jump shots and on ball screens and the principal of verticality. Thank you very much. I am dying for this rule 
to change or the interpretation of this rule to change. And I know Kemba does it. I know Tatum does it. I don't care that they do it. I don't care that Celtics have benefited from this. If you're somebody from another team that's hate listening, I want it to stop across the board. And Kemba can take a jump shot. Jason can take a jump shot. Everybody can just take normal freaking jump shots. The rules are there for a reason. And for, okay, you up fake a guy and he starts jumping towards you. There's some leeway there, okay? You take a shot and... It's the extreme jump forward where it's very obvious that these officials and everybody that watches NBA basketball, you know that that's not how Kemba Walker, let's say, takes his jumpers. You know that's not how he shoots the ball, but he is embellishing that to get the call. That's just no call. The, the one that's even worse is... The one to the side, you up fake, the guy jumps, but then kind of curves his body and is not going to hit you. So the player jumps sideways to shoot the ball. That is not a natural shooting motion. So why I understand that, okay, the defender jumped and oops, you screwed up. But If you have the body control to contort yourself and spin out of the way, you still shouldn't be penalized for it. You got out of the way. Or like the James Harden special where you jump from a foot behind the three-point line, you up fake, the guy comes out to challenge, and he lands behind behind the three-point line, like within the two-point area, yet you swing your body so far forward that you end up landing on his foot or near his feet and you fall because you're off balance. Like That call has to go away. We're trying to watch basketball here, not a free throw shooting contest. And I'm not a person that says ban free throws, but I just want jumpers to be jumpers. And if a guy fouls a jump shooter, then that's fine. Foul a jump shooter, give him his two shots. But up faking and then unnaturally jumping into a defender so as to stop the game, get the go to the line, like it's slowing things down. The NBA has been experimenting. They experimented the prior season, the last G League season, with the one free throw for, for every foot. Like if you get fouled on a two-point shot, you get one free throw. If you make it, it counts for two. If you get fouled on a three-pointer, you get one free throw, it counts for three. I don't want that. I just take your normal free throw. You can you can speed up the game by taking away the extraneous bull that players have developed to game the system. It's very simple. It's natural. We can tell what's natural and what's not. This is why I've advocated for a fourth ref too. I think a fourth ref actually speeds things up, doesn't slow things down. Because you can see things, you can have more of a conversation in the moment. It just, so much of NBA officiating ends up being a guess because you're out of position and you just, you fall for a head snapping thing or whatever. A fourth ref eliminates some of that stuff. And you, and you, you can actually speed things up to me. The one call, and I'll wrap up the show with this. I was watching the national championship game. And they had the intentional foul call. 
That is a, a college thing. That is a FIBA thing. It should be an NBA thing. When a player is like the, the Jokic special, and we see Grant Williams do it a few times, they are on, they were in transition, and you're out of position, and you know it's going to be a three-on-one or a three-on-two. So you foul the guy in the backcourt. You raise your hand like, I got him. You, you just turned it over, and that's your way of stopping the, the fast break. No, that should be intentional foul, two shots, the ball. You can't do that. Stop slowing down the game. We, as fans of basketball, want to see transition. We want to see potential dunk opportunities. We want, we want to see up and down basketball. It goes along with a clear path. Anything that stops a potential fast break, you got you to gotta legislate that out of the game. So if somebody makes a bad pass and it's very clear, uh-oh, this is going to be a three-on-one, I'm just going to foul this guy. I know it's not a clear path because I'm positioned in front of him, but I'm very obviously not making a play on the ball. I'm just stopping this fast break. Well, that's crap. We don't want that in basketball. We don't want it. Get that out. Bring the intentional foul to the NBA. It's very easy to speed up this game. It's very easy to eliminate free throws when you stop rewarding crap. When you actually just let them play basketball and you make the penalties strong enough where two, fi- two shots in the ball, you're not going to be giving those up anymore because it's just, just let them go get the dunk. So that's my little rant on the foul calls. Celtics, big stretch coming up here. Sixers on Tuesday night here and then Knicks back to back. Win those two games, boy, we got ourselves a little bit of a conversation here. And the Celtics need this because if they can get two or three of these next games, that, that's really going to help because they're going on a big road trip out west against some really tough competition. And you kind of want to get your way up to the top. The rest of the East is kind of struggling a little bit too, so the Celtics have their opportunity. As I go into this podcast... The Celtics are merely one game out of the fourth seed, nine and a half games out of first. Miami and Atlanta are both 26 and 24, eight and a half games out of first. The Celtics are right there at 500, 25 and 25. So big stretch coming up. I'm going to be talking about it here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. So subscribe if you have not. It comes right to your device Monday through Friday. You regular listeners, if you have a place, people have asked me, I guess on Google Podcasts, there's no way to rate and review. If you find a way to rate and review the podcast, I'd appreciate it if it's if it's possible. Uh, a good written review, very helpful. Five-star rating, very helpful. In lieu of that, if you can't, just share the podcast, retweet it if you can. Let people know when they ask you and let them know. They should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making Lockdown Celtics the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the planet.